When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook Em Up indeed, it's hour two of our five-hour Thursday conversation, recapping National Signing Day. A lot to cover, we'll talk to uh, C.J. Vogel, a Longhorn insider for Football Brainiacs at the bottom of the hour. His thoughts on the Longhorn class, Rod's got a rant coming up ahead of that as well. We'll get some headlines coming up, and we're getting into the Christmas spirit, Rod. Today is the day to do it. Uh, yes, it is. It's, we're close, man. It's about to, it's about time. I mean, if you, what you waiting on? <laughs> Christmas is on Monday. Yeah, you got to. What got you waiting to. on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so whether you got to listen to Christmas music, which I mean, Ty's been playing, or you got to watch your favorite Christmas movie, you know, today or tomorrow, it's it's time. I mean, like I said, I don't like to do it too early. You can uh, you can you can really kind of you know you can hit that Christmas high too early before Christmas. I don't want to do that. I want to peak at the right time, like Texas football. So you're just getting into it as a father of a uh, mm-hmm. three-month-old. Yeah. I think so, I, cause you, you, I don't want to say you, you stunned me. Well, you asked me that right off the top of the show. Are you in the Christmas spirit, Ian? And I was like, you know what, Rod, I'm not. Well, because, I, I mean, you got a beautiful tree in here. So maybe so decorating sometimes puts people in the Christmas spirit. Yeah, but spirit. usually for me, the Christmas spirit came from my kids. But now my kids are all gone. I'm empty nest guy now. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's just that's a good point. It. Yeah, yeah, see, that, that's a great point about the kids. You're taking your kids to Santa yeah, and your yeah. kids' Christmas list and everybody's getting fired up. That's true. Good point. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? I like you. I, I, that's a good point to think about that. Some people, it's the kids that do it. Yeah. They, they're so excited about oh, it for man. them. So it's the greatest it's the time of the year. Of, it's the best of times. Yeah, yeah, it's so the greatest get, time of the year for them. So, they get all. Yeah, yeah. You can't avoid getting in the Christmas spirit. They, they're the ones who are thinking about it right after Thanksgiving. Oh. They're like, hey, Christmas coming up. They're locked in year-round. Like, <laughs> Trust me. Kids, when you, when you, before, before they know the whole deal, when they're, when they're you know, because you use it as bribery as a parent. You're like, you know, Santa's watching. Uh, see, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Santa's watching. Stay up on the shelf, man. You know what I mean? You better watch yourself. Yeah, and kids, you know, they like, hey, Santa is watching. Making you know a list. He's checking it twice. You better find out who's uh, naughty and nice, right? Doing my best behavior because Santa, Santa is watching. That's true. That's yeah, point. Santa's the, the all-time bribe, bribery guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, the, he's the watchman. <laughs> that's a great point. I didn't think about it. Yeah, that's a great way to bargain. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Bargain with the behavior. Hey, hey. Mm. Lock it in. Use that in June. Yo, for, like, you can. Hey, Santa's watching. Like, oh. They're like, damn, I forgot. Damn, sorry, Dad. What would Santa think? Damn it. WWS. So right. That's what the kid does. Wait, hey, kid, Santa's watching. Oh, you're around, brother. You're around. You're around. You're right about that. Oh, yeah. So then they they get geeked up. Then there's all the presents under the tree. Oh, man. That whole thing. So that's That's coming. It'll be here uh, before we know it uh, with Monday's Christmas holiday, Christmas Eve on Sunday. Uh, There's also a a feast of football conversation as well with uh, the NFL opening up tonight. With week 16, also uh, recapping National Signing Day, uh, which was uh, which was good. I think for the Longhorns, yeah, top five. I mean, top five class. You can be better, but not much better. But and now for the first time, when you look at the national recruiting rankings, and if you're Texas, you're like, okay, we did fine. 
you know, in, in years past, and for many years, you'd look at it and say, okay, well, Texas was the number one class in the Big 12 by a lot. You know, no one's even close. Mm -hmm. Well, now you're at the top five class, but you're behind three teams in your own conference. Like, dang. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Just this year, when you finally ascend, uh, it's about to get tougher. But we talked about it was, you know, poetic justice for Texas, right? They Their first, uh, you know, time in the Big 12 when it was initially, uh, you know, uh, created as a league, they won the first Big 12 title, the inaugural one, and their last uh, opportunity to win a Big 12 title, they won it. And I, I'm glad Texas was able to do that. Texas hadn't won a lot of Big 12 titles, guys, unfortunately, in football. No, just four. <laughs> you, with all those great recruiting classes they've had over the years, and nobody's recruited better in the Big 12 than Texas over the last, what, 20 five years or whatever that since the Big 12's inception, and yet they've only got four Big 12 titles to show for having the most talented team in the Big 12 based on recruiting rankings every year. Yeah. Well, for me, as, a, as an observer, a fan covering the team, it's exciting that the Longhorns yeah. are now – they have the fifth recruiting class, but there's three teams in their own conference ahead of them, like in mm -hmm. Georgia and Alabama. And, yep. you know, LSU had a great run here at the end. It's like, okay, well, that, that's what you're walking into. And that's a good thing. That's what you wanted, right? You yep. want to – you know, as you talk about players, Rod, players who chose yesterday, they want to go play with great players and play in big games against great players, period. Exactly right. Uh, and we, know, we, we, we can all understand that the Longhorns underachieved as a program for quite a while here um, because they'd have top five recruiting classes, and the next closest class was 20, right, in the Big 12, mm -hmm. yet they were still losing to those still teams. Still losing some of those, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, now you know That's what you're walking case. into. I mean, yeah. your, your eyes are wide open. You had a real good class, you feel good, but then you look up at Georgia, number one class, Alabama, number two class. Um, that's that's the fun part, I think, because yeah. it's uh, you want to challenge yourself. Well, you've always games. been recruiting with those guys, but you haven't been playing with yes, those guys. Yeah, now you got to beat them. Now you're playing against them and recruiting against them. That's like I say, that's a different that's a different conversation. Texas hadn't been there in a long time. Hundred percent. All right, let's get to those top stories and headlines. If you were uh, busy Christmas shopping or whatever yesterday, let's get you caught up on what went on on National Signing Day. Top Gun Reynolds and Lonico and bring you the top stories. Yeah, college football yesterday, big day for Texas. Added 24 new players to their 2024 roster on the first day of the early signing period for Division I programs. 2024 class headlined by four five-star prospects. We've talked about Colin Simmons, the edge rusher from uh, Duncanville, top edge rusher in the country. Brandon Baker, a left tackle from Modern Day out there in California. Also Ryan Wingo, wide receiver from St. Louis. And uh, Xavier Phil Simi, five-star safety from McKinney. All uh, the four, the five stars there. Uh, the class is ranked third overall in the national composite rankings behind only Alabama, or fifth, I should say, in the national composite rankings behind Alabama, Georgia, and a couple others. class includes a pair of transfer portal additions who will fill immediate needs. Houston wide receiver Matthew Golden, LBJ Starr, and Clemson standout um, Andrew McCuba also became official yesterday coming back home. Longhorns did lose one commitment yesterday when Dangerfield athlete Aaron Hampton flipped to uh, Alabama, but the day was capped last night when Jasper four-star linebacker Ty Anthony Smith flipped his commitment from Texas A&M to Texas. He's the only linebacker in the class of 24. Of the 24 prospects who signed yesterday, 19 will enroll early at Texas. Uh, they'll be on campus next month. We'll have much more on National Signing Day throughout the morning. Big night of college basketball taking center stage last night. Madison Square Garden, how about 21st-ranked Duke? They knocked off the 10th-ranked Baylor in a good one, 78-70. Also last night, 11th-ranked North Carolina rolled past Oklahoma, 81-69. First loss to the Sooners on the year. Seton Hall knocked off fifth-ranked UConn in the, the uh, Big East opener for both teams. Upset there. Top-ranked Arizona whipped Alabama 87-74. Not a good night in the NBA for the Texas teams. Mavericks lost to the Clippers out in L.A. 120-111. Houston fell at home to Atlanta 
127. Week 7 in the NFL kicks off tonight with a good battle of 7-7 teams in L.A. Rams hosting the New Orleans Saints. That game at 7-15 tonight on Amazon. And soccer looking to bounce back from their disappointing 2023 season. Austin FC yesterday released its entire 34-match schedule for the upcoming year in 2024. 28-match season opens February 24th at Q2 Stadium. Home match with the Minnesota United. One of 28 matches versus Western Conference foes. There are six matches against teams from the Eastern Conference. That includes home matches with the Philadelphia Union and New York FC for the first time ever. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Don't be a ho-ho-ho. Bring anything on Foster Village's Amazon wish list on our Facebook page and get up to 20% off your rental or purchase. Topgun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Um, and uh, we'll get to uh, previewing Cowboys and Dolphins and also get to previewing Texans-Browns. Been doing some uh, some breakdown on them. We'll do that during Rod's Rant. We'll nice. get some of that during Rod's Rant. Uh, but, but obviously, a lot of talk and tons of buzz about the recruiting class for Texas 2024. Uh, they are a top five recruiting class if you look at all the different rankings. And the composite rankings is probably the best one to look at. Uh, they're fifth in the composite rankings. Uh, and they, you know, there's certainly in this class a focus on the defensive side of the ball, it would seem. Um, and I see it's a well-rounded class, but um, you got five DBs coming in. Uh, you got an edge rusher in Colin Simmons coming. You got two edge rushers, actually. Uh, Umi Ozulu, you got him as well. So you got two edge rushers coming in. Uh, you got a linebacker now in Tyanthe Smith, the only linebacker they offered. Feels like there's a defensive lean in the identity of the class to I me. Mean, I always say there's an identity to every recruiting class, um, and I feel like the identity of this. they got some great offensive players. Ron Wingo, uh, Parker Livingstone, we talked about him, a good player. He's comparing um, the running back, uh, Chris, uh, was it Christian Clark, to B. John Robinson. <laughs> uh, and they got the kid, Jerry Gibson, out of uh, IMG. He was a, man, he is built like a tank. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this dude. He's rocked up <laughs> uh, as a young guy. So he's yeah, he's just built like he's. I don't think I've ever seen anybody as cut up uh, as a young. Yeah, Jerry Gibson's is. five nine and a half, two hundred and fifteen pounds. So he is. Yeah, he a unit. <laughs> yeah, he's rocked. I'm telling you, he is rocked up. That's one of my my favorite prospects in this class as far as potential at five ten, two hundred. But he's really two fifteen. But he's he's the kid we talked he's about sturdy, yesterday. Man. You know, forty one inch vertical leap. Yep. Um, just explosive, runs track. That guy, uh, that was one of the first guys to shard choice, locked in on. And yeah. If, um, you know, as right. far as running back, and Christian Clark. I mean, that, that two-headed – I mean, you think about Jared Gibson, who's 215 and coming out of high school, Rod. You know, you probably project him to be 225. That's what I'm saying. He's going to add weight well, just we from know, lifting. We know C.J. Baxter from last year. He's coming – he's a big 6'1", 215-pounder. Now they expect him to play at 235 when he gets his, his yeah. grown body. Yep. He's got still got his teenage teenage body. Teenage body. Yeah, he got a grown man body yet. Well, I'm That's... looking at that running back room a couple of years going, dang, you got you got some big backs. You got I'm some big you. sturdy backs. I mean, the, there's a plan there. Like you're going to the SEC, you got to be able to hold up and um, you know take on punishment week by week. And I mean, most people look at C.J. Baxter who had a good freshman year. But remember, he, he went out of a lot of games injured. He still hadn't put on that body armor that yep. you're going to take as a running back. And just think about that guy when he's. You know, next year and the year beyond, when he's two third thirty two thirty five, and people compare him to like Larry Johnson. Remember Larry Johnson when he was playing oh, at Penn yeah, State? Yeah, I remember him. One man. of those the guys that wear you down. City back in the, yeah. Well, and you know, you've you've gone through the Sark likes to throw early to 
to get get a lead and then run late. Yeah, he wants to run. He wants to close. He wants to basically choke you out yes. with the run game, and that's that's part of the big humans, right? Big humans will wear you down yes. through three through three and four quarters, and by the second half, because uh, sometimes early on you're trying to run. You know, hey, the team they're fresher. Uh, they got legs early on. By the fourth quarter, that's when you're deaf. If you do, you know, construct the roster correctly, the depth of your team overall, and then the the mass advantage you have because you have the biggest O line in the Big Twelve. You won't have the biggest in the SEC different level of football, uh, but you'll still have one of the big role lines, that's when it, you're supposed to be exerting, imposing your will on your opponents. Hey. It worked in Bama. Think about it. Two big games this year. That was the recipe at on the road versus Bama and on the road versus Iowa State. That's what worked. You closed out that game and said you're just running the football. You choked them out with the run game. Yeah, and Jay Brooks was big in that, Jonathan Brooks. But uh, you, you can just see yeah. where they're going with the, this backfield and Tashard Choice doing a great job. Can I hear, Sark, that cut you played already? I want, to, I want to hear that wide receiver part again because I want, I want to ask okay. you a question. I will ask C.J. Vogel the same question. Hey, T.Y., can you play that first cut you played with Rod back in uh, behind the burn orange curtain? The recruiting the class thing. one. I'll tell yeah. you when to stop it. I want to hear because I, I want to make sure I heard this right, talking about receivers. Uh, give I me say this it every there, year. Every coach gets up, and, and I've never heard a coach get up and not be excited about his signing class, okay? So, um, but but I'm, I am excited about this class. I think there's a lot of depth to it. I think there's a lot of versatility to this class. You know, naturally, when you just look at sheer numbers, clearly receiver um, <clears throat> was a position where we wanted to address, uh, and we may not be done there yet. Uh, okay, but there to you have go. four Thank receivers you. in this class. We may, we may not be done there <laughs> yet. Throwaway so. comment. We may not be done yet. Anyway, moving on. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Hold on. Time out. <laughs> what? Excuse me? Because you and I were on the uh, live stream all day yesterday, and we've been covering this thing maybe closer than most. We haven't heard of another receiver name except – Evan Stewart, right? Because mm -hmm. Ryan Wingo is part of this class. Uh, he's the wide receiver. Um, you know that uh, the Parker kid out Livingstone. of Freddie Dubose, mm -hmm. out of Smithson Valley, the speedster, who still needs to get healthy. Uh, Parker Livingstone is part of this class at wide receiver. Who's he? Because he, he was pretty intentional about that. Hey, seems like we it. may not be done there. He said it. We may not be done. And he offered it up. Yes. Like he wanted us to. He wanted everybody <laughs> to know that. He's like, don't you know we're the Austin media? You know we're the Austin media, right? We're gonna we're gonna run with this. Yeah, uh, you, you've been here three. You've been here long enough now to know. You say stuff like that, it is gonna, it's, guess, it's not gonna be ignored. I guess my, <laughs> my ears thinking. Okay, well, I've heard Bobby Burton and C.J. Vogel and other guys talk about Dominic McKinley, a big defensive lineman that they're you know mm -hmm. out of out of uh, A and M, who they're who's committed to A and M, uh, out of Louisiana, who they're still in hot pursuit of. I've heard. Uh, you know, Trey Moore, the pass rusher, the portal prospect from UTSA. I haven't heard another wide receiver name. No. And there's Sark right there just said, just said, we may not be done there yet. Yeah, maybe very, very intentional. And we all know. And this, Who's reason, he talking about? <laughs> the reason I'm bringing it up is we talked yesterday, Rod, is they need a number one receiver. I don't think Sark goes into next year with this group of receivers and feels 100% confident. I agree. Because you're replacing X-Man, A.D. Mitchell, J.T. Sanders, Jordan Whittington, you know, who's going off to the Senior Bowl now. Congrats to him. Um, you're coming back very inexperienced at the position. Matthew Golden immediately becomes your most experienced receiver. Yeah, so and he's steps on campus. Yeah. Jonte uh, Cook, I mean, I know they he, like he's Jonte, second, I guess. I guess he's DeAndre second, Moore. Yeah, most experienced receiver. I mean, because Casey Kane's in the portal. He's probably going to UNLV. Uh, the, the experienced Isaiah guys Nayor are – Isaiah Nayor is going to transfer yeah. out. I wonder who he's talking about. 
Uh, he's definitely going to bring in another guy to do the transfer. With the, after that comment, we, I mean, there was speculation that he was going to do it anyway, just because the sheer number, the sheer loss of targets, right? Uh, and, and target shares you, you, you're losing across the board at the wide receiver position. That did not even include JT Sanders, but I think we all include him in terms of the passing game overall. Um, yeah, they're going to bring in another transfer portal receiver. My question is, is it someone who's already in the transfer portal, or is he talking about someone who potentially could later hit the transfer well, portal? Well, and remember, as we've talked about, you know, it was clarified by our friend Bobby Burton yesterday. I did not realize this. The portal window closes January 2nd. Mm-hmm. But that's just the window closing on putting your name in. In, yeah. So you, you, after January 2nd, you can't put your name in the portal. But after January 2nd, you still can be recruited. Once your name's in – Teams can still recruit you all the month of January until yeah. classes begin. That's a good point. So that doesn't mean it's over. So whoever, you know, who, all these bowl games could happen here over the next 12 days, and then all of a sudden a, a big-name player could get in the portal before January 2nd and still would be in the market. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, And you'd have January to court them, recruit them. Yeah, that's that how A.D. Mitchell did. A.D. Mitchell exactly came right. in later. Right? Yeah, he like was two. a mid-January guy. Yeah. Mid-January yeah. guy. All right, Rod, let's go to Rod's rant. We'll talk to C.J. Vogel. We'll ask him the question by the hour, who might be that receiver that the Longhorns are, as Sark just said. We may not be done yet. Who that? Who that? <laughs> uh, let's get to Rod's rant. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's talk about the Cowboys and the Dolphins. If we have time, we'll get to the Texans and the Browns. If we don't, we'll get to them later on in the show, I assure you. Uh, went back and rewatched some of that Cowboys Bills game, and yeah, um, it was it's actually uglier on the rewatch <laughs> uh, in a lot of ways, and we'll get to that here in a second. But um, the Cowboys, first of all, they're going to be playing on the road, and we know the Cowboys are a different team at home and on the road. There's something going on with the Cowboys' current DNA uh, and their current construction. They just don't play the same on the road. They're a different team. Dak's different on the road, too, by the way. Uh, how about this? Cowboys plus 171 at home in point differential this year. Uh, they're minus four on the road. So they've been outscored by four points on the road, and, and they're plus 171 at home. No team in the modern era of the NFL, and we're talking about since 1933, has posted a negative point differential on the road uh, with a home point differential of at least plus 170. Shouts to my man Bobby Bill. That's a great uh, plus 171 set. at home, minus four on the road. Like that's <laughs> like you essentially are. I mean, you're you're, you're an average to, to below average team on the road, and yet you're, you're a phenomenal team at like home. Historically great at home. Yeah, that shouldn't be that much of a difference. There shouldn't be <laughs> no. that much of a disparity between you at home and you on the road. That's the first big issue for the Cowboys. They got to figure that out. That's something. That's a cultural thing. That's a cultural thing. And Mike McCarthy's got to figure that out. Remember the Astros were like that? Yes. You kept, and we kept bringing it up. Like, how is this possible? That well, last year the Astros weren't all year, and then the last six weeks they were horrible at home. It's like, how is that possible what that they could be here? so good on the they road? They were bad at home. Yeah, they bad, which is even more perplexing. But anyway, that's just, but, and they're the – how about this? And, they, and that, that road loss to the Bills, first road team in over 10 years uh, to allow 85 net yards passing or fewer um, and lose by 20 points or more. So they that was an ugly performance. And the Bills had a 69% run rate through the first three quarters of that game. Um, that was the highest f- 
through three quarters in the Josh Allen era. So Josh Allen, basically, he has never had a he had a 29 percent total drop back rate. That was the lowest rate in the Josh Allen era. So we've never seen talk about breaking tendency. You've never seen a a Bills team with Josh Allen starting quarterback run as much as they ran versus the Cowboys. Hadn't happened. First time it's ever happened. And James Cook was great. I mean, he's he's actually a good player. They finally found, I think, their answer at running back. So the Cowboys shouldn't be, like, ashamed that he went off. Uh, he's the offensive player of the week uh, in the AFC, which, by the way, first time since 2002 that a running back for the Bills has been offensive player of the week. Um, James Cook's on pace for 1,000 yards and 500-plus receiving yards. To do that under the age of 25 is pretty rare. Last uh, group of running backs to do that under the age of 25 in 2019 uh, was Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, and actually Dalvin Cook, James Ooh. Cook's brother. So keep it in the family. Uh, so it's it was it, it was rare, and it, it was a it was a great coaching job by Joe Brady. As a matter of fact, Joe Brady was even surprised how well they ran the ball against the Cowboys. And he actually had an interview recently where he talked about how they initially thought they could run the ball against the Cowboys, but they didn't think it worked that well. Here's Joe Brady. Like I, I, you know, I'm probably a broken record when I say this, but there's a way to win every game. And, you know, um, the other coaches get paid too, right? And so, you know, we, we think we have an idea going into the game about, hey, how we think this is how they might play it or, you know, this is how we think our guys are going to respond to something. And then, you know, sometimes we get that, sometimes we don't. It's, you know, it's critical that, you know, we, we find that, you know, whatever that is that, that is working or try to continue to, um, to try to find whatever that is if it's not um, and so, uh, you know, I think last night was just uh, a product of, you know, I don't think anybody envisioned being able to have that much success. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say I knew that going into the game, but I felt confident in the guys up front. I felt confident we'd be able to run the football and, um, you know, it wasn't broken. So why try to fix it? And, um, you know, I was proud of the way that the guys responded and kind of how they played. And, you know, they didn't blink. They were like, do it again. And uh, just seeing our receivers and our tight ends, you know, uh, even Josh, just uh, the way that they were playing, knowing that the pass game wasn't, the emphasis. Uh, it was a lot of fun. To, a lot of fun to see. Injuries were a big part of that equation as well, because um, no Jonathan Hankins. He's your best run defender on the front seven, and you did not have Jonathan Hankins. I'm sure that was a big part of why the Bills decided, hey, we're going to be a run first team, a run oriented game plan versus the Cowboys. And also, that's the Cowboys' weakness. Cowboys are built on speed, um, and when you run right at them, and you be a, and you become a power a power-based run game, um, I think that's really what uh, is directed at the Cowboys' weakness. Now, Connor Williams is going to be out for the, at least reportedly, he's going to be out for the Miami Dolphins. Center, center, right? Yes, he's playing center for them. Former Longhorn. Yep, and so it'll be Eichenberg, and they got Cotton at left guard, so that's kind of a weakness. As a matter of fact, the entire starting offensive line for the uh, Miami Dolphins didn't practice yesterday. They were all out. Dang. The entire starting off his line. And also Tyreek Hill, Raheem Mostert, Xavier uh, Howard, Devin A-Chain. They all didn't, they didn't practice. Now, that's really early on in the week, so they still could end up playing. But they're dealing with a lot of injuries, too. Um, Cowboys, of course, that, I think that Jonathan Hankins injury really was detrimental to their rush defense. So here's why I think the Miami Dolphins, they, their run game plan is going to be very similar to what the Bills did because the Bills, uh, there are a couple of concepts they used. They were really, really successful. First of all, they ran what pony package. Right? Let's talk about pony package here in Texas. That's basically 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end. But they did it with two, two tailbacks. 
That's the key to the pony package over 21 personnel, which usually has a fullback. So they ran pony package a few times uh, in that game. And that concerns me because the, the Dolphins run pony package. And they do it with two speedy tailbacks, Devin A-Chain and Raheem Moster in the backfield. That's scary considering the success that the Bills had running Pony Package. And one thing that the Bills did in that game, and uh, Dan Orlovsky does a great job breaking this down, um, they basically ran at Marquise Bell. They ran at him. They, they, they decided they want to run right at him. And they did a great job of pulling their tackles, which also, they, I think they did it like seven or eight times where they pulled their tackles. They would motion the receiver opposite of the play side and pull their tackles. Essentially, and they, and they and there were a lot of times in the run game, they didn't block Micah Parsons. They just used displacement to, uh, to, to basically use uh, leverage to get Micah Parsons out of the play, formationally to have him uh, essentially out of the play conceptually. And they did what they call they hop the back. This is when they take the back from one side of the quarterback to the other. And they're motioning opposite the play side. They're hopping the back right before the snap. And they're pulling the tackle. That's a lot of misdirection. Think about that. That's like three elements of misdirection. One, you're pulling the tackle once the ball is snapped. You got the motion of the wide receiver opposite of the play side. And you're hopping the back. From the side of the one side of the quarterback to the right before the snap. They did this all game long, pretty much, a lot of the game. And it really did open up some wide chasms in oh that Cowboys rush defense because they were shifting the defense at the last second, adjusting to the motion. And once they adjust to the motion, when the ball was, and also, one add element, they would roll, they would half roll Josh Allen. So you have to worry about the quarterback run threat as well. Also providing another element of misdirection. It was a lot of misdirection, man. And it's going in both directions simultaneously. Cowboys had no answer for it. They really did. You had huge cutback lanes for James Cook in that game. And that's why, they, that's why you heard Joe Brady say, man, we know it's going to work that well. We just kept running. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they kept doing it over and over again. Cowboys play with an even box, which means you have as many defenders as they have blockers. And when they would shift in motion – you would basically, they would basically take a defender out of the box because yep. Micah would have to shift with it in motion with it, or they would they'd be worried about the legs of Josh Allen. So that would also be a responsibility that they had. So it would basically make a, an even box, a light box with the motions and the shifts. It was a brilliant game plan. I'm just, it was, and I can tell you right now, Mike, Mike McDowell is going to take that game plan because they already, nobody motions and shifts more than the Dolphins. They use uh, two tailback sets. They have, they have the Shanahan zone blocking running scheme. They got all the elements to basically recreate that game plan, except for Josh Allen in the quarterback run game. That's the only thing they really don't That's have. That's what I was going to say, except yeah. for Josh Allen's legs. And, uh, you know, rewatching that game and watching it last Sunday, they were most concerned about Josh Allen, and why not? I mean, he's been the most, you know, one of the most dominant weapons in the game this year, even though he's made some mistakes. Uh, and, they, you know, they were so focused on Josh Allen. It's almost like the to you talking about uh, breaking tendency. They did. Well, they, they, let's see if we can run the ball. Then it started working, and they never stopped. They never stopped. They, they never had, had to. to use. They to, never had to. And there's a lot of stuff on Dan Quinn, too, guys, because uh, Dan Quinn loves to play dime, and nothing wrong with that. They play more dime defense than any team in the league. I got this stat for you. The Cowboys have played dime, six DBs, against 221 rushing snaps this season. They did that against the Bills. And they got bullied. The Patriots are second in dime defensive snaps against the rush uh, against rushing attempts this season with 43. So they're more, 
what, 200 more. Exactly. And that's <laughs> why they got mauled against Buffalo because they were playing dime. And, and Buffalo was in 21 and 22 personnel sometimes. packages against Exactly. Not good, Dan. All right, we'll come back. When <laughs> we good, do, uh, we'll take your thoughts. Cowboys-Dolphins, huge game. It's a Sunday afternoon game, Christmas Eve, 325. Texans with a big game at noon on uh, Sunday with the Cleveland Browns. Rod Holt preview that coming up later in the show. But coming next, C.J. Vogel uh, from the Football Brainiacs, his thoughts on the Longhorn recruiting class, who that wide receiver that uh, Sark may be talking about is out there. Also, uh, the late flip of Ty Anthony Smith, all things we'll talk about with C.J. Vogel. Coming next on Hook Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Yeah, it is feeling a lot like Christmas. Today is the first day of winter. Also, my pop's birthday, Rod. December 21st, happy birthday to my dad. He's listening down there in the H-Town. I won't say his age, but he's 73 today. Hey. So happy birthday to Pops. I saw Pops not too long ago. He yeah. looks good, man. Yeah. He's looking doing, good. Doing all right. Doing all right. I saw him this weekend at my daughter's graduation, so happy birthday him. That really leads into the Christmas season. First day of winter is today. Uh, it's also the day after National Signing Day. With that in mind, let's go to uh, the Vaqueros Hotline. Uh, big part of our coverage on On Texas Football yesterday, Rod, you and Bobby Burton and this guy, C.J. Vogel. Yes, sir. The insider and recruiting analyst covering Texas and Oklahoma for football brainiacs. He's our buddy, C.J. C.J., how are you, my friend? C.J., what's up? What's going on, fellas? Thanks for having me on this post-signing day. Uh, was it Thursday now, man? Week's flying. <laughs> yeah, it's almost uh, – yeah, it is. Uh, I'm surprised you have a voice, you and Rod, all the, the, the live coverage you guys provided yesterday on the On Texas Football Channel. Plus, you, uh, you covered the Sark News Conference. I like Sark had a little bit of a cedar fever going, too, with his raspy voice. Uh, but lot, lots to talk about. What were your takeaways? I, I know you covered this recruiting class all the way up in, to, to signing day, so you know the players intimately. But what did you take from, from Sark's comments yesterday? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, no, uh, like you said, there's a ton of thought. Come to talk about, you know, following what happened yesterday. Uh, I think Texas fans should be very excited with the crew that is coming in in the 2024 class. You know, one of the biggest things I, I, I like to point out with this class is Texas held on to their top guys, you know, and that's something that you have to fight with every every year with signing day. You know, there's a late push from, from Missouri for Ryan Wingo. Nebraska, you know, was hinting at getting him back involved with Brandon Baker as well. Uh, you come in late for Xavier Phil to me and Kobe Black join the class late. And then you go back out and you flip by Anthony Smith to end the night. So it was a, it was a great, you know, I, I guess in baseball you talk about closing and, and, and how important it is to, you know, sustain leads to win ball games, And that's ultimately how you win championships. Well, in recruiting, it's very much similar to that. And Sarkeesian and his staff really – you know, went to the bullpen last night and called him a guy that throws 101, has a 92-mile-per-hour sinker. So uh, I think it's really important and something that's, you know, very encouraging, you know, that Texas is winning these recruitments late and also being able to hold on to their top talent throughout the cycle, even after months of being committed. So 
that's very encouraging to me. And on top of that, you know, Sarkeesian mentioned it in his press conference yesterday and having met some of these kids and, uh, you know, at camps and showcases and games, you know, it, they're all high stand-up, you know, caliber kids. And I think that's very important for the culture that Sarkeesian has implemented at Texas. And it's the only way really to ensure that buy-in is there from the start. And that's, you know, above anything else, very encouraging to me. Hey, uh, uh, CJ, you asked a really good question to Sark, too. Um, he seemed pretty impressed with uh, about changing the narrative about Texas. Um, I've talked about how it's really tough to negatively recruit against Texas right now with what they're doing. Um, get into his answer. I thought it was it was pretty intriguing. We're going to play the audio a little bit later on, but um, he, he, he was well aware of that narrative, of that negative recruiting pitch against Texas, it seems, right? Yeah, no, he gave a great answer. I, I'm very excited that he did because it obviously provides great talking points for us. So, uh, no, his his, his point was when he arrived at Texas, he, he realized there was work that needed to be done. And there was, you know, it needed to be done quickly because there was a reputation around Texas. They could not develop talent into the NFL. And ultimately, there were too many games where they were leaving uh, wins on the field. They just simply were not winning enough. And as a result, that kind of trickled down into the high school ranks. You know, when you go talk to kids about would you want to play at Texas, yeah, well, a great school it's big there's a, a lot of opportunities but you know the school down the road you know even in the, my own state it's probably going to get me better to uh better develop to, for the nfl and that was one of the biggest hurdles that that stood in the way of steve sarkeesian from success immediately upon his arrival i would say that's no longer the case now obviously five guys were developed in the nfl prospects last year a couple others even signed on for undrafted free agents after the draft. Texas is looking at a draft this year, which could be their best in about 15 years. And that's not even, you know, going to mention the possibility of Quinn Ewers coming back. So it's really impressive just the turnaround in really a short time that Texas in this program has taken. And it's the result of Steve Sarkeesian uh, trusting his staff to develop and then obviously going out to recruit and really spread the gospel that is Texas football is no longer of the old days. Yeah, it feels like it has turned and certainly turning 11 days to the game with uh, Washington. And Sark did talk about it. He, you know, when, he, when he hired his staff, he was very intentional about hiring coaches who have developed players, including Pete Kwiatkowski at Washington and uh, Bo Davis, one of the best on the D-line, Kyle Flood, obviously on the O-line. And uh, C.J. Vogel, as you said, there could be eight, nine, ten guys drafted and they're you know, moving into the NFL from this year's team. And wait till next year when Kelvin Banks and Quinn Ewers and uh, could be some really high draft picks uh, coming next year. Hey, uh, C.J., we played a piece to sound us a little bit ago with Sark talking about the overview of the class and he mentioned wide receiver was an important position and they brought in three or four but they're not done there or he actually mentioned that that we may not be done at wide receiver that led me to, to wonder well who are they talking about what other wide I mean obviously Evan Stewart's in the portal from from Texas A&M there's other high school uh, you know players who could Sark be thinking referencing when he says we may not be done at wide receiver yeah I think a lot of people point straight out to uh, Evan Stewart uh, the former five-star wide receiver from Frisco who was who spent the last two years at Texas A&M. I don't necessarily think that that's a perfect match for Texas right now. I, I know on paper it makes all the sense in the world, but for now I think there's going to be a pursuit of, of a wide receiver elsewhere. You can obviously look to the 2024 class, and, and Aaron Butler out of Calabasas, California, is a guy Texas has been tied to recently. He fits the mold of wide receiver Sarkeesian likes to – 
deploy in his offenses. Obviously, uh, can catch and go, has great speed, uh, has some nice wiggle to his game as well. So uh, that'll be one to, to watch if Sarkeesian and his staff don't find a guy in the portal. I think, you know, with as many bowl games and, you know, call it how much of the college football that still remains, it's possible that the guy that Texas wants or, you know, will eventually pursue might not even be in the portal yet. So that, I think that's something interesting. But he did mention, and I, it was noteworthy, that he does not believe that Texas is done at the wide receiver position, despite having signed three guys in this class and already having gone out and signed Matthew Golden from Houston. Yeah. Does that, uh, in your opinion, mean those odds are definitely gone? Like the, we were, there was some slight chance potentially CJ that AD Mitchell could come back. I think most people believe X Man's gone, but after that comment, it, aren't you pretty sure that they're going to have all those targets pretty much leave? I, I think that's you know a safe assumption, and yep. you know should AD or yeah I guess should AD return, you're still losing Jordan Whittington, uh, Isaiah Nayor is already in the portal, Casey Kane. Uh, is in the portal as well, despite continuing to practice with Texas during the bowl season. It's a lot more than just uh, Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell. You know, these are guys who all have, you know, solid game reps uh, aside from Isaiah Nayor. So Texas will be inexperienced, and I think that there's a, going to be a concerted effort to go get a guy with, you know, a, a, a history of being able to, you know, be a reliable target on third down and move the chains for, for teams in the past. So we'll see, but that's a lot of, a, a lot of uh, you know, opportunities for wide receivers to step up moving into 2024. Yeah, you know, you'll be catching balls from an experienced quarterback in an offense that likes to feature the passing game, so uh, would be an attractive spot, uh, whether it's a high school player or even a, a portal player to come. Uh, he is C.J. Vogel. He is the CFB insider for Football Brainiacs, also host of the High Four Star Podcast. Action Network college football contributor as well and on Texas football. Hey, CJ, uh, the Ty Anthony Smith uh, flip last night, you kind of predicted it was coming, but it's the third year in a row by my count that the Longhorns have uh, kind of spurned the Aggies at the finish line. They, uh, Anthony Hill was a couple years ago. Colin Simmons was a guy that, that was really down to Texas and Texas A&M and LSU a year ago. He takes Texas. And now Ty Anthony Smith is uh, one of the top linebackers in the state from Jasper. He was a Aggie commitment all the way up until yesterday. Uh, how the Longhorns pull that off and how important is that that get for Texas at that position? Yeah, you can really think the last month or two of Texas A&M not really, you know, knowing the direction of their program for kind of the rethinking of where's home for Ty Anthony Smith. You know, te- Texas A&M moved on from Jimbo Fisher. Uh, they've had a lot of departures from that, that new coaching staff. And while they go get a fami- uh, familiar name and uh, Mike Elko from Duke, I mean, it's just not necessarily the situation you want to be walking into if you're a highly coveted uh, linebacking prospect in the state of Texas. You know, there's brighter options than uncertainty at the moment. And you can look at LSU right now and see, you know, they just had a Heisman-winning quarterback. They're 9-3 and three at the moment. They're in the top 15. And obviously, Texas is 12-1. and one. They just won the Big 12. They're headed to the SEC. And they're playing for a national championship. What is around Texas A&M and recruiting right now has been, you know, levels above what they are. And I think a lot of guys are realizing that at the moment in this class. And I think that was the case coming into the weekend prior to his visit for Ty Anthony Smith. I was told last week, you know, should he make a visit to Texas, consider it a wrap. And eventually he made it to campus for a three-day visit over the weekend. And we all know how the 
you know, the chips fell last night. Uh, he joins the Texas class and signed immediately upon his commitment. And uh, I think Texas is getting a good one, a guy that can cover, a guy that can run and hit and certainly fill run holes. Uh, talented prospect and the only linebacker in the 2024 class. Yeah, only one at that position. Hey, last thing, CJ, keep your uh, friends close, your enemies closer. A lot of people predicted, at least uh, nationally maybe, that Oklahoma would have a recruiting peril moving into the SEC. They finished with a top-10 class for Brett Venables. And, um, you know, I know they've got some issues on their O-line right now, but uh, the Jackson-Arnold era will begin at Oklahoma. Uh, they've got to be excited up in Norman that uh, the class that Brett Venables pulled in here as they move into the SEC as well. Yeah, certainly. Oklahoma's going to have a good defense next year, and I think – what we've seen the last two years on the defensive line are, is, is going to be a big part of that. You know, you go back to five-star P.J. Adebayor last year uh, off the edge. His brother played in the NFL or got drafted to the NFL last year as well. So you kind of see the projection that he's on uh, in terms of development. This year, uh, I'm very impressed what they were able to do. Danny Okoye from Oklahoma is the guy Texas was after. Nigel Smith from Alyssa uh, is, a, is a big beefy guy in the interior. And obviously David Stone, you know, the, guy, the kid from IMG Academy, a five-star kid. Um, it's, you know, we've seen it firsthand this year. You can win games with your defense solely through the, the, the pressure and, you know, production from your defensive line. And, you know, that's the, the, a sign of a great defense or at least the makings of what eventually can become a great defense is you know, having a great defensive line. And, you know, that's kind of the blueprint that Oklahoma and Brent Venables are instilling currently uh, with their defensive makeup uh, in Norman at the moment. So, uh, you know, you still have some question marks. Is Jackson Arnold going to be that guy? I think they're losing their entire offensive line from this year as well. So it's going to be a bit of a work in progress for uh, new offensive coordinator Seth Luttrell. But that defense should be that defense that we've seen from Brent Venables uh, while he was at Clemson winning national championships. That will be the biggest uh, strength of that team next year and something that will obviously be fun for everybody to look forward to in terms of when Texas and Oklahoma meet once again in Dallas. Yeah, uh, A&M and Oklahoma next year. Yeah, Brett Venables had those great defensive lines at Clemson, obviously, and uh, trying to replicate that in Norman, and that's, uh, that's a good thing. Longhorns know how good that is when you've got those guys up front, those dudes uh, on the point of attack. Yeah. Uh, all right, CJ, thanks, bud. Appreciate you. All the work yesterday, all the work today. We'll keep the, uh, the number handy and check in as things develop. CJ Vogel uh, from Football Brainiacs. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, CJ. Thanks, fellas. Have a good one. Yeah, Enjoy. Merry Christmas, my friend. We don't yeah, talk to man. you before. Happy holidays. Uh, coming up this weekend, there's C.J. Vogel. That's good stuff right there. We'll come back with some bullish or BS, Rod. We'll get back into uh, the Week 16 in the NFL. I really like this game tonight, as a matter of fact. I like the Rams-Saints. I think it's going to be a really good game. We'll preview that coming up on Amazon. Uh, bullish or BS, coming next on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh, Christmas spirit is uh, officially here now, Rod. It's the official first day of winter. Oh, and yeah. so now with four days or five days to the big day, we can really get involved. It's National Signing Day in the rearview mirror, Rod. And here we go. Good here stuff. we go. Good. Here we go. And you're bullish on the holiday season, right? Uh, bullish. Yes. Why not? I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Everybody's in the giving mood. People actually like to give. And it, it, that's what the Christmas spirit actually is. It's the high you get off giving that's to exactly others. That's exactly right. And we should learn the lesson from that. And we should give more often all throughout the year. And it's not just the high of the Christmas spirit, but it's because you love the, uh, you know, the joy 
joy you bring to other people when you give them something that they enjoy. Right? That, you know what I mean? That's part you of it. Thought of them. Yeah. So you that's were part, thoughtful yeah. about what, that's what you, the Christmas spirit is. That's man. exactly. So right. you want to get a Christmas spirit? Go, go start giving. Like yeah. you can go there. Charitable organizations. There are people in need out there. That's a big part of it too. All right, bullish or BS? How about this one? Give it to me, Rob. Former Raiders coach John Gruden. Oh. Allegedly, reportedly, could be a candidate to watch to return as the team's head coach. <laughs> this comes from uh, at Vegas Nation reporter and at Review Journal uh, reporter who covers the Raiders, Vincent Bo- uh, Bunsignorti. Ooh. So uh, this he is says, Mark Davis saying, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and bring John Gruden back. Because he didn't want to get rid of him anyway. No. You know that. And he says Gruden's inclusion is curious at first glance given how his last Raiders tenure ended, but there are reasons to believe he could be a candidate to watch. More than one league source has indicated the NFL could avoid – this goes back to you, brother. You brought this up. A potential public relations nightmare by simply letting Gruden be rehired. Oh, uh, uh, now so. we told you that uh, John Gruden has played hardball with the NFL, uh-huh. and he's got a lawsuit against Roger Goodell specifically mm-hmm. and the league for those leaked emails. And who did it? Who done it? Who done it? They've tried to pay him off the NFL, and he won't settle because he wants his name cleared. And this thing has gotten to uh, the highest levels. Like this point of critical mass now. They're in discovery. This thing is close to discovery. They're in discovery, which means evidence out. Which means they're going. We want text messages. We want emails. emails. (laughs) And we need them all. Yes. Yeah. And the league is saying Mm -hmm. we don't want to do that. John, why don't you come back and be a coach in our league? We may, you may get fired after a couple of years. That's okay. But, yeah, for him, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's, I don't know what that is. That's got to be Roger Goodell working behind the scenes saying, listen, man, I don't need this dirt out because I'm going to lose my job potentially. John, what is, it, what is it you want? Yeah. And I, I want to be a coach again. Okay, we'll let you do that. <laughs> I'm bullish on that. Yeah, because Mark, Mark Davis, you know, he wants to Mark Davis him. needs a coach, and he mm-hmm. wanted John Gruden in the first place. And the only reason he had to leave was he had some emails. Bullish or BS on this report? I think bullish. Yeah, 100% bullish. I I thought about you and I was like, high-level business. He's going to love this conspiracy theory. (laughs) It's right Uh, along the lines of what you were talking about. Let me play this for you, Rod, and then I'm going to ask you bullish or BS here on a a Thursday morning. Here is uh, uh, before he had a news conference yesterday to discuss his signing day class. This was Steve Sarkeesian on the Longhorn practice field yesterday. Your resume is your tape. What you put on film every Saturday is your resume. We should all aspire to be like him. Newly invited to the Senior Bowl, Jay Witt. Hey, Jay Witt, uh, now going to the Senior Bowl along with Devondre Sweat and Byron uh, Murphy and Alfred Collins. We're going to do a lot of Senior Bowl coverage. Yeah, man, we may need to go to Mobile, right? (laughs) Let's go go to Mobile. Seriously, man. You played in the NFL. You know Jay Witt. Is he an NFL player? Jay Witt, Jay Witt has a chance. Yes, bullish. I think he's got a shot to, to make an NFL roster. Got to stay healthy, man. Can't make the club in the tub. Got to uh, stay healthy. End of my career was injuries, uh, and he's had a lot of injuries. But I, if he's healthy, I think Jay Witt's got an outside shot, especially when they expand the practice squads. So you can be a practice squad guy. guy. You can be a practice squad guy for longer now. Yeah, I, I can see him with an outside shot. Listen, he might be able to go play for Kansas City. Today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and as, as Sark said there, you know, your, your resume is your tape every Saturday. The eye in the sky don't lie. And no one, you know, does the dirty work, the grunt work like, like Jay Witt. Yeah. And NFL coaches love that. I mean, special teams. I mean, that play he has still. Uh, oh, we, play of the year. Yes, play of the year. Yeah, Rodney Terry showed it to his basketball team. That's like the culture play of the year. <laughs> it is. Uh, forcing a fumble after an interception oh, to save the game man. potentially. And, yeah, I mean, but everything he does, blocking, 
you know, you know, NFL scouts love NFL that, coaches and special teams. They they love love you just guy. had an NFL wide receiver admit that he won't block because he's George scared that he's going to get injured. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, nah, I didn't want to block because I didn't want the running back to run run up on me from behind, and then I end up getting injured. You know, like you know Jay Witt reminds me of a little it's bit. Like Jay Witt, Jay blocking on every damn play, multiple people. He don't care about. I remember, that we stuff. saw him in cool. Quero High School. You know, starting oh, on both sides of the ball. Safety comes here and he can't stay healthy, and then gets passed by guys like X Man and Ad Mitchell for for catches, but never stopped working and uh no. you know he reminds me of a little bit remember Heinz Ward the receiver for Pittsburgh mm-hmm. who was a quarterback at uh, Georgia, Georgia. Yeah. just that that guy do it all he'll do all the dirty work he'll do whatever you need him to do he's not the fastest guy not the biggest guy but he's going to be hustling NFL loves those kind of guys yep and I'm glad he learned his lesson about taking care of his body I think when he came in he was a little too swole I think his brother's like a, a, a bodybuilder like body or something like that so I think he he came in a little too swole and he didn't have any flexibility um, and I think that also exacerbated some of his injuries. Um, and now he's, he's, a lot, he's a lot leaner, and I think he actually has now some more flexibility, and he's not as bulky. Um, and I think that actually hurt him early on. 